0: part two chapter eighteen of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain eighteen the birds which sang and the shadow which fell daisy wrote to her daughter from liverpool where they were stopping at the adelphi and where lord hardy had joined them en route for america and the far west he is not at all the teddy used to be daisy wrote and it really seems as if he blames me because he has lost so much at monte carlo in fact he says if i had not smuggled him in he should probably never have played there at all i think i shall know it when i take another young irishman in hand by the way he brought me news of the death of sir henry trevelyan of trevelyan castle in the north of england he was thrown from his horse and killed instantly jack trevelyan was with him and it is said was nearly heartbroken though by this accident he has become sir jack and is master of a fine old place and a tolerably fair fortune he will be much sought after now but if he ever comes in your way again and you play your cards well you may be my lady trevelyan how does that sound to you sir jack trevelyan bessie repeated to herself while there swept over her a great pity for the young man smitten down so suddenly while for jack she was glad knowing how well he would fill the place and how worthy he was of it of herself as lady bessie Trevelyan, she never thought though there came to her a strong presentiment that she should see jack again ere long that he would come to tell her of his new honour and would be just as kind and friendly and familiar as he was that day in the park when she first saw him more than two years ago three days later and there came another short letter from her mother written on shipboard and sent off at queenstown the sea had been very rough and the browns and lord hardy were sick in their staterooms as were many of the passengers but daisy had never felt better in her life and was enjoying herself immensely she should cable as soon as she reached new york and she bade bessie keep up good courage and sent her love and a kiss to archie who if bessie thought best might now be told where she had gone archie was sleeping very quietly when bessie went into his room taking her mother's letter with her but there was a white pinched look upon his face which she had never seen there before and it seemed to her that his breath was growing shorter and more laboured as she watched him with a beating heart until she could no longer endure the fear which had seized upon her and stooping down she called aloud father father her voice awoke him and lifting his eyes to her face he smiled upon her the old loving smile she knew so well and which reassured her a little you have slept very sweetly and you are better she said to him and he replied no bessie not better i shall never be any better in this world there is a weakness all over me this morning and i cannot lift my hand to touch you see and he tried to raise the thin wasted hand lying so helplessly upon the counterpane taking it in her own bessie felt that it was as cold as ice but she rubbed it gently and said it is only numb i shall soon make it warm again no, bessie never any more warmth for me i know it now the end is very near and the birds are singing everywhere just as they sang in the summer morning years ago when i was a boy i used to lie on the grass under the yews and listen to them and think they were singing of my future which i meant should be so bright oh bessie everything has been so different everything has changed but you and the birds singing now to me of another future which will be bright and fair what season is it bessie my mind wanders a little is it summer again in the dear old rose-scented garden yes father summer everywhere bessie answered him with a choking sob and he continued i'm glad i would rather die in the summer time just as father and mother did bury me by them bessie with no expense and when daisy dies lay her by me too in the grass where the birds are singing she ought to be here now to-day send for her bessie send at once if a telegram can reach her bessie must tell him now and kissing his pale forehead she said a telegram cannot reach her father for she is on the sea going to america gone to america when she knew how sick i was oh daisy daisy i would not have served you so the sick man cried with a bitter cry which rang in bessie's ears many a day but did not reach the heartless woman at that very moment coquetting with the doctor of the ship and tapping his arm playfully with her fan as she told him she had lost her appetite for everything but champagne and asked what he should advise her to take she was invited to go by some friends who bear all the expense she has long wished to see america and it was such a good opportunity that she took it she will not be gone long only through the summer bessie said trying to find excuse for her mother but archie shook his head and replied i shall not be here when she comes back shall not be here to-morrow and oh my child what will you do you cannot live here alone and my annuity dies with me bessie oh bessie you will not pursue your mother's course never so help me heaven bessie answered as she fell on her knees beside him and bowed her face in her hands surely in this extremity she might tell him of her engagement to neil and after a moment she said father don't let a thought of my future trouble you that is provided for i am to be neil's wife we settled that last christmas But he did not wish me to tell you till something definite was arranged. He meant you to live with us. We were not to be separated. He is very kind, she added earnestly, as she felt her father's surprise and possible disapprobation in his silence. And you love him? You believe he will make you happy? Archie said at last, and Bessie replied, I love him, and I believe he will make me as happy as I can be with you gone. Oh, father, you don't like Neil you never did there was reproach in bessie's voice as she said this and the sick man answered her there are many noble traits in neil's character but he is a macpherson with all their foolish pride of birth and blood and ancestors as if paupers like us have any right to such nonsense were i to live my life again i would turn a hand-organ in the street to earn my bread if there were no other way yes neil is very nice and good but not the husband i would have chosen for you i liked the others better mr trevellian and the american what is his name gerald grey gerald bessie replied and after a moment her father continued where is neil his place is here with you if he is to be your husband send for him at once there is no time to lose you must not be alone and the hours are very few and the birds are singing so loud send for neil at once bessie did not know where neil was now as the last time she heard from him he was in paris with his mother and blanche but she would take the chance that he was at home and a telegram that her father was dying and he must come immediately was soon speeding along the wires to trevellian house in london Slowly the hours of that glorious summer day went by, and Archie's pulse grew fainter and his voice weaker, while the real birds without in the yews and in the hedgerows and the imaginary birds within sang louder and clearer, and the dying man listened to them with a rapt look in his white face and a light in his eyes which told of peace and a perfectly painless death at last the day was ended and the shades of night crept in and around the old grey house while a darker shadow than any which night ever brings was in the sick-room where archie lay half unconscious and talking now of daisy now of bessie and now of neil and asking if he had come he had not sent any answer to the telegram and bessie's heart was very heavy and sad with a sense of desertion and terrible loneliness how could she bear to be alone with her dead father and only anthony and dorothy to counsel her what should she do and where was neil that he made no response to tell her he was coming she did not consider that even had he received the telegram he could not reach stoneley that night she did not realize anything except the dread and pain which weighed her down as with her father's hand in hers she sat waiting for the end while the old servant stole in and out noiselessly suddenly as she waited thus she caught the sound of a footstep without a quick footstep which seemed familiar to her and with a cry of neil on her lips she arose swiftly and hastened to the outer door just as the tall form of a young man stood before the threshold bessie's eyes were full of tears and the lamp on the bracket rather blinded than helped her and so she could not see the stranger distinctly but it was neil of course come in response to her summons and with a great glad cry she sprang toward the young man and clinging convulsively to him sobbed out Oh, Neil, Neil, I am so glad you have come for father is dying and I am all alone. It is so dreadful. And what shall I do? Oh, oh, it isn't Neil, and she gave a little scream of terror and surprise as looking up, she met Grey Gerald's face bending over her instead of Neil's. Grey had been to Carnarvon on the old business and, moved by a desire to see Bessie's blue eyes again, had come to the George Hotel to pass the night, intending to call at Stoneleigh in the morning but hearing of mr Macpherson's illness he had decided to step over that night and inquire for him and thus it was that he found himself in a very novel position with bessie sobbing in his arms which had involuntarily opened to receive her when she made the rush toward him no it is not neil he said trying to detain her as she drew herself from him it is grey but perhaps i can help you i heard at the george of your father's illness and came at once is he so very bad and leading her to a sofa and sitting down beside her he continued tell me all your trouble please and what i can do for you gray's voice was very low and soft and had in it all the tenderness and gentleness of a sympathizing woman and it touched bessie as neil's words of love could not have touched her had he been there beside her bursting into a fresh fit of sobbing she told gray of her father's serious illness and her loneliness and desolation and how glad she was he had come i telegraphed to neil she said and thought you were he though it is not time for him to be here even if he received the telegram perhaps he is not in london do you know grey did not know as he had not heard from neil in some time but he comforted bessie as well as he could and said he hoped her father might yet recover no he cannot bessie replied he will soon be dead and i shall be alone all alone your mother has gone to america with a mrs rossiter brown who lives in or near allington you know her i believe and bessie looked up in time to see the look of surprise and the half-amused smile which flitted over grey's face as he replied mrs rossiter brown oh yes i know her i have always known her she is a good kind-hearted woman and your mother is safe with her bessie felt intuitively that gray was keeping something back which he might have told her but she respected him far more for speaking kindly of mrs rossiter brown than she would have done if he had said as he might have done oh yes i know mrs rossiter brown she was for years my aunt lucy's hired girl angeline peters who married isaac brown the hired man and became plain mrs ike brown until some lucky speculation turned the tide and gave them immense wealth when she blossomed out into a fine lady and dropping the ike adopted her husband's middle name rossiter with a hyphen to heighten the effect and so became mrs rossiter brown all this bessie learned afterward but now she was too full of grief to care what mrs Rossiter brown had been or what she was all her thoughts were with her father whose weak voice was soon heard calling to her bessie are you here yes father she said going quickly into the sick-room followed by gray who saw in archie's face the look which comes once and but once to all and knew that his life was numbered by hours if not indeed by minutes bessie the sick man said as she bent over him has he come i heard some one speaking to you neil has not come it's not time it is mr gerald who is here he was with us last christmas you remember yes mr mcpherson replied the american i remember i liked him very much i wish it were he rather than neil grey looked curiously at bessie who knew what her father meant and that his mind was wandering after a few moments during which archie appeared to be sleeping he started suddenly and seemed to listen intently then he said the birds have stopped singing but i hear other music the songs of the redeemed and my mother is there by the gate waiting for me just as i shall wait one day for you my child give me your hand bessie i want to feel that you are with me to the last she put her hand in his and grey noticed with a pang how small and thin it was and brown too with toil some such thought must have been in archie's mind for pressing the fingers to his lips he continued poor tired little hands which have done so much for me may they have rest by and by oh bessie darling god bless you the dearest sweetest daughter a man ever had be kind to her young man i leave her in your charge there is no one else to care for her good-bye god bless you both he did not speak after that though he lingered for some hours his breath growing fainter and fainter until just as the summer morning was stealing into the room old anthony who with his wife had been watching by him said in a whisper god help us the master is dead bessie uttered no sound but over her face there crept such a pallor and look of woe that grey involuntarily passed his arm around her and said let me take you into the air she did not resist him but suffered him to lead her into the garden which was sweet with the perfume of roses and cool with the fresh morning dew and where the birds were singing in the old yew-trees as blithely and merrily as if no young heart were breaking in their midst in a large rustic chair where archie had often sat grey made bessie sit down and when he saw her shiver as if with cold he left her a moment while he went to the house for a shawl and a glass of wine and some eau de cologne which he brought to her himself wrapping the shawl around her as deftly as a woman could have done he made her taste the wine and dipping her handkerchief in the cologne bathed her forehead with it and pushed back a few locks of her wavy hair which had fallen over her face and all the time he did not speak until bessie said to him thank you mr gerald you are so kind i am glad you are here what should i do without you and what shall i do anyway what must i do leave it all to me he answered her don't give the matter a thought but try and rest and when you feel that you can i will take you back to the house no no she said quickly let me stay here in the sunshine with the birds who used to sing to him it seems as if he were here with me so he brought her a pillow for her head and a hassock for her feet and wrapped her shawl more closely around her and made her taste the wine again then he went back to the house and consulted anthony and dorothy with regard to what was to be done the funeral was fixed for the fourth day and grey telegraphed to london with instructions that if the family were not in town the message should be forwarded to them immediately then he cabled to daisy ship celtic new york and lest by any chance she should miss the news at the wharf he asked that a dispatch be sent to her at allington Massachusetts, care of mrs Rossiter brown who he knew would in all probability go at once to her country home mrs mcpherson can return or remain where she is i have done my duty to her he thought as he busied himself with the many details it was necessary to see to if neil were only here was his constant thought as the day wore on and he found himself in the rather awkward position of master of ceremonies in a strange house deferred to and advised with not only by anthony and dorothy but by all the people who came to assist but neil did not come and the night came and went and it was morning again and Bessie, who had passed the most of the preceding day in the garden and had only returned to the house late in the afternoon seemed a little brighter and fresher with a look of expectancy in her face whenever a train dashed by she was watching for neil and when at about four o'clock a carriage came through the park gates she rose and went swiftly to the door meeting not neil but jack trevelyan whose face and manner told plainly how great was his sympathy with the desolate young girl he was in london he said and chanced to be calling at the trevelyan house where he learned that all the family neil included were at vichy where lady jane had gone for the waters and bathing just as he was leaving, Gray's telegram was received and the housekeeper, Mrs. Jervis, told him that another telegram had come two days before for Mr. neil from Stoneleigh. "'I did not open it,' she said, as did not suppose it of any consequence. "'He often has dispatches, and as I expect him home within a week or ten days, I put it on the table in the hall. "'You will find it there,' she continued, as she saw Jack unceremoniously tear open the envelope just received and heard his cry of surprise.' then quick as thought he read the first telegram from bessie telling of her father's illness and asking neil to come at once poor little bessie alone with her dead father he said and his heart throbbed with a great pity for the girl who he supposed was alone for gray had not signed his own but bessie's name to the message he had sent in an instant jack's resolution was taken and he acted upon it at once The telegram was forwarded to Vichy together with the fact that he was going immediately to Stoneleigh, where he would await any orders they chose to send. Then he took the first train for Wales and reached Bangor about three o'clock the next day. All this he explained after expressing his surprise at finding Gray there and saying to him good-humouredly, "You always manage to get ahead of me. If I ever get to heaven, I do believe I shall find you there before me." "I hope so," Gray answered laughingly, and then added. We ought to have heard from Vichy before this time if they received your message yesterday. That's so, Jack replied, adding after a moment, it may be waiting for me at the George. They would naturally direct it there. And on sending to inquire if there was anything for him at the hotel, there was brought to him an envelope directed to Sir Jack Trevelyan received that morning the barmaid said. Breaking the seal, Jack read aloud. Vichy, July blank, 1800 blank to sir jack trevelyan george hotel bangor wales it is impossible for me to come we will write bessie soon please see that everything is done decently and send bill to me john mcpherson nothing could have been colder or more matter-of-fact and bessie's cheeks were scarlet as she listened while grey involuntarily gave a low whistle and turning on his heel walked away and jack tore the paper in shreds which he threw into the empty grate then he looked at bessie whose face was now very white and quivering with pain and disappointment jack's first impulse was to denounce mr mcpherson for his selfishness and neglect but his kinder nature prevailed and he said apologetically it is a long way from vichy here and the weather is very hot but never mind gray and i will do all we can and both mr mcpherson and lady jane will surely come to you later it is not that i don't know what it is Only it's dreadful to be without one of your own kindred at such a time as this. Surely Neil might come or write, Bessie said, with such pathos in her voice that Jack looked sharply at her thinking to himself. Is it possible she cares for him more than as a cousin? Doesn't she know Neil is the last one to inconvenience himself, if he can help it? Funerals are not to his taste. But he did not give expression to his thoughts. He said instead, Perhaps Neil is not there i hardly think he is as he does not like vichy you will hear from him soon no doubt i am sorry for your sake that none of your relatives are here but don't distress yourself grey and i will do everything i know you will she said but mr trevelyan and she laid her hand upon his arm you will not send that bill to neil's father i have over forty pounds i can pay it myself you will not send it never jack answered emphatically and then he went out to consult with gray who was sitting in the porch staring hard at an iron post which jack began to kick vigorously as he said well gerald we are in for it you and i and we will see it through in shape the old curmudgeon he might come as well as not if he chose there is plenty of time to get here and he knows her mother is gone for i added that to the dispatch i sent so as to ensure his coming and where is neil the milksop he, at least, might come. I have no patience with the whole tribe. But we will do what we can for the poor little forsaken girl. Yes, Grey answered him, we will do what we can. End of chapter eighteen.